1: everybody, it is Tuesday, July 19th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces, and shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network, I am Mike Heck. Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope you're having a great start to the week. It's going to be a very busy one in the world of combat sports, MMA. We have the return of Bellator this Friday. In beautiful Tacoma, Washington, main event, a big one in the Bellator welterweight division between the former champion Douglas Lima and the surging contender in Jackson. It's actually a pretty strong card. It should be a a good watch from start to finish. Really like the Bellator card. A lot of prospects, a lot of big matchups, some names you would recognize. A little bit of everything on this Bellator card. UFC's back in London on Saturday. You know that's gonna be fun. You know the London crowd's gonna be up for this thing from start to finish, the main event. Local hero Tommy Aspinall looking to maybe get his get himself into a title fight of some of some kind when he takes on the always tough, always dangerous Curtis Razor Blades. That card is solid as well. We were coming off of UFC Long Island, which was a really fun card. The ending to that one. Maybe not so much, but Yaya Rodriguez gets a victory over Brian Ortega. This is not the way anybody drew it up. It's not the way that Brian Ortega certainly wanted it to happen. Probably not the way Yaya Rodriguez wanted it to happen. The fans, the UFC, pretty much everybody involved. But it is what it is. We don't take anything away from Yaya Rodriguez. It's just a freak thing that happened. And now the whole talk is... What do we do at 145 pounds? What do we do? We heard from Yair. We heard from Dana White. We've heard from Alexander Volkanovsky on the MMA Hour yesterday. Vulcan, even Volkanovsky is on board for an interim title fight. Let's just do that. Let the division sort sort itself out. Maybe Volk go up to 155 and challenge for that title. The more I think about it, the more... I don't love that idea, but if they do it, I'm certainly going to watch. I do feel like Volkanovski is pound for pound the best fighter in the world as of right now. Who knows what happens on August 20th when Kamaru Usman fights Leon Edwards. If Usman wins, probably inches his way back into that number one spot, but who knows? 145 is fun, it's loaded, it's deep, and it's kind of a mess at the top, and I feel like this is not the only division where that is the case. 155 also is kind of like that, but hopefully we have at least we'll have some answers we'll have a champion at least come October because it was officially announced that Charles Oliveira is heading to Abu Dhabi to fight Islam Makachev for the vacant lightweight title so a lot going on a lot going on and I'm here to talk about it with all of you I see a lot of people lined up we're gonna get to the calls in a minute but before we do that I just want to say something real quick I feel like I've done a pretty good job of spreading the love of trying to get everybody in. Yes. There are certain shows where we have just a lot of people who want to come in and give their thoughts on stuff. And I only have a certain amount of time to do the show. Okay. I have like an hour and maybe I can go a little bit longer, but for the most part I'm doing this in the middle of a shift. So I have to do this, get it edited, get it produced, get it on the podcast network. And then I have to go back and do other things that I have to do. Like for today, I have articles to write. I have interviews to do with fighters. So I can only spend this I can only spend so much time on here. I would love to do the show for four hours. That'd be the best. I would love to do that. I just cannot do that. So if you are in line and I can't get to you, please don't take it personally. It has, it's not you, it's me. I feel like I'm, I'm breaking up with my first girlfriend when I say that, but seriously, that's what it is. Like I can only take so many at a time. And sometimes the order, at least on the screen, gets shuffled up a little bit. So sometimes, like, I don't even see it till the very end. So please bear with me. Please don't be insulted if I don't choose you. It's not a personal thing. It's just the way that it works out sometimes. All right? I feel like I'm pretty fair and try to get everybody in. So I'm going to do the same thing here. All right? And we're going to start off with my man Tristan Gordet, who I didn't get to on Friday, but we're going to get to him right now. Tristan, how are you? Hey,
2: Mike. How's everything? What's up, buddy? Uh, nothing much. Went to the Long Island card. It was a great experience. Just you know, problem with the end and everything like that. Everything that fight. I mean, all the cards was great. The Matt Schnell fight was absolutely phenomenal against uh, Sumo Dargi. Ridiculous. Here's the thing is about. I didn't even know. It. I think I found out Sumo Darje came in with an injury, with an ACL injury. Um, because I noticed, I <laughs> when I was there, I was like, why does why does he have knee sleeves on? And I'm like, oh, that's not good. That's not a good sign. Because I remember the last time I remember that happening was uh, Francis Ogano. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. That kind of, uh, that's not good. So, I think uh, uh, Sumidaji announced it. I think he's going to have to have ACL surgery. He's gonna, so, he's going to be out for a while um, as far. And then, um, again, the Misha Tate uh, versus Lauren Murphy. Misha looks slow in there. Like, I mean, it was, I was watching it from there. And I'm like, yeah, something's not right. I mean, I don't know. Lauren Murphy was just piecing her up the whole entire time. I like how Murphy fought that fight. She, uh, in and out, pieced her up. And then, uh, you know, she's she's you know she called out for the uh, now Manon Fereau versus um, Caitlin Chikagian. It was cool to see Caitlin Chikagian in there um, watching the fights live. Algermain came through as well. And then um, I think uh, Aaron Blackfield was there watching the fights as well too. So that was just overall pretty good experience, pretty great card, you know, just sucked that uh, Bron- um, Bron- uh Ortega, you know popped his shoulder. I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yair looked quick on the feet, which was awesome. Um, He was throwing some great combinations, kicks and everything. So that was, uh, it was just, it was just overall a great experience going to my first uh, fight night card. So thought that was great and everything. Um, Moving forward, as far as Wlochowski is concerned, I, I, I just don't like, I don't like that. I don't like him. You know, I understand he has ambitions. He wants to challenge himself. move up to lightweight, but I just I don't want to see that. I want him listen, heal up, get ready. Um, You know, hopefully he'll make the interim fight with Yair and Emmett, and then, you know, just wait and then um, have that fight, you know, because, listen, I I think, do you think, do you think, I I think either if um, Charles Oliveira or Islam, either either or, I think they're going to turn him down, because I think if Charles fights, wins the belt, I think he's going to sit and wait for the Conor. I really do. I think he's going to turn Vogue down and be like, no, I'm, I'm fighting Connor. Um And then I, if Islam wins, I think, I think he – because – and also, I don't know. I'm hearing this. I, this is a rumor. This is not confirmed, nothing like that. MMA fighting has not confirmed it or anything. But what I'm hearing, there's a rumor that in the words, possibly – there could be Dustin Poirier versus Benil Dariush. So I'm I'm hearing that, but I obviously, it's probably not, I don't know, it's probably maybe made up or something, but I was just throwing that out there. I don't know, but we'll see. But I think Islam probably most likely would want to give Benio Dariush a title shot, the first shot, because that guy's on the win streak and those two should have been be able to fight. He kind of owes it to him. So I just want your th- thoughts on that whole thing. And uh, thanks for everything, Mike. Didn't want to take up too much of your time. Just, you know, just had to get my thoughts out there. Thanks, Mike.
1: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens at 155. Like, I felt I felt after Oliveira beat Justin Gaethje, I actually felt like Volkovsky had a real good chance to get that fight. But now seeing how this all played out and seeing that it's happening in Abu Dhabi, and I've been saying this for a while, if I'm Oliveira the only way I'm taking that flight in Abu Dhabi is if Connor is next. If I'm getting the red panty night. Otherwise, why would you go there? Why would you go to enemy territory? Again, especially when there's a card in Brazil that's coming up a couple months later. Especially when there's a card at MSG, which that fight could have easily headlined and it would have been a very big deal at MSG. So you have to think that Connor is at least in the discussion here. That, all right, dude, like, you really want the Connor fight? You have to go to Abu Dhabi and, and fight this guy. And this is one of those things where Oliveira getting supremely overlooked again. It's crazy. It's crazy how many times people keep sleeping on Charles Oliveira. Like, what else does this man have to do? It's insane. Opened as a pretty sizable dog, I think – Makachev opened as like a minus two fifty five favorite. I think some money has come in on Oliver since then, but man, all there like what else does this guy have to do to get some respect around here? It's crazy. It's crazy. The other thing you mentioned was the Poirier Benil thing. This was Benil's manager doing interviews and trying to put something out into the universe that, from all accounts, is not wholly accurate. In fact, Dustin Poirier. Went to Twitter and said fake news yesterday. So, I just don't like that fight for Dustin right now. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense when he could fight Chandler or could fight Diaz. Or I don't think the Diaz fight happens. I'm sure we'll probably hear about that. The back and forth between Dana and Diaz continuing on. But if I'm Poria, like, where's is the benefit of fighting Benil right now? There's just really none. Like I feel like Dustin's not really in the title conversation, at least right now. Maybe if Makachev wins, that changes. But I mean, it's just not a it's just not a great fight for Dustin. I think Dustin's smart enough to realize that. Now, if that's what's offered and that's the only thing available to Dustin, then maybe he takes it. But Dustin, his team, Mike Brown has said a few times, like he wants to see Poirier go up to 170 and just have fun fights. Like, what else does Dustin need to do at this point? So I hate that fight for Dustin. It's a good fight for Benil, but if I'm Benil, I'm just I'm getting in shape. I'm staying ready for October because if something happens between either Oliveira or Makachev, something happens and they can't make it. Who's the first guy that's getting a phone call? It's gotta be Benil Dariush. especially if it's Oliveira that gets hurt, because Dana White continues to say the fight he wants. Is Makachev versus Dariush. So if I'm Dariush, I'm not entertaining any other fight right now. I'm just hanging out till October. That phone rings. I'm answering and I'm getting ready. I'm preparing to fight in October. Now, if it happens, great. If it doesn't, not a big deal. Then you fight maybe an MSG or you fight in December. But yeah, and then with the UFC Long Island card, a lot going. Lord Murphy. Great win. I thought she looked great. I couldn't believe the amount of people who were just like, Misha's just going to run Lauren Murphy over and go fight Valentina. I don't bet on MMA. I don't place these bets. However, if I were to place one single bet on that card, I would have put the house on Lauren Murphy at dog money. Because I just, I knew that was going to happen. I just knew like a lot of people were like, well, Misha's coming down from 35. She's going to be way bigger. No, no, she's not. Lauren was a 35 or two. She's a Vink strong woman. She was a 35 er as well. And I, t- I said, once they, st- once they face off, you're going to see that Lauren is maybe even bigger than, than Misha Tate. And it showed Misha couldn't win any of the grappling exchanges. Lauren used her strength to keep the fight where she wanted to go. She beat Misha Tate up and now Lauren is going to, as she says, go to Paris, Sean Anik, breaking some news on the broadcast that Andrade is out and she back in and, here we go. Full circle for Fioro. And I know that uh, ESPN came out yesterday. It was Brad Okamoto, as a matter of fact, it's out there for the world to see you said that Caitlin Chukagian said that she was never offered. She never agreed to fight Manifioro on that Paris card. No contracts were ever signed despite reports saying otherwise. I can assure you that maybe that's not the case, but according to... People I talk to within the UFC, that fight was happening in September. Now, the UFC has been known to do this, where they just put fights out there. Maybe they offer them. Maybe it hasn't been accepted, and then you say, okay, it's happening. Because if you looked on the UFC website, before Jessica Andrade's image, Jukagin's image was on there. So, there you go. But a lot to unpack from Laga, and I'm sure we'll get to a lot of that in a moment. Let's get to Navin or Naven. Hello, sir. Are you there? Make sure you unmute. Hello, unmute. Hello. Hey, we got you. What's up, buddy? I'm good, how are you? Good.
3: Uh, so actually my concern was regarding Darren Till. I heard that he's cornering Curtis this week. Is it actually true? The action man Curtis?
1: Uh, I don't know. Chris Curtis certainly says that it's happening. So I would, I would guess Darren is going to be in the building. So yeah. And when Darren's in the United States, as you saw when Hamza Shemaev is getting ready to fight Gilbert Burns, they, they both trained at extreme couture. Chris Curtis trains at extreme couture. So Chris knows Darren Till very well. So I would say there's a strong possibility that's the case, but I guess we won't really know until maybe Friday or Saturday when we see Chris Curtis come out and fight, and if Darren's going to be in this corner.
3: Uh, is Hamzat also cornering Hermanson?
1: Is Hamzat her- cornering Hermanson? I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's a good question. Anything okay.
3: else, on, AM? Uh No, that's actually a good situation. We need to check what they do.
1: Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty hilarious, right? We got Till and Shamayev on opposite corners. That'd be nuts. I would say Shemaev would probably corner Curtis before, but I don't know if we'll see Shemayev in London. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't know. We'll see.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov
1: Let's go to Four Corner Sports. What's up, buddy? Uh, Good.
4: Um, uh oh.
6: And um, I agree
1: with the the first. Four Corner, hot, you're going to have to hop back in, man. You'll break it up like crazy. Uh, try again. I'll get you right up to the front. Let's get Australian talk in here. Are you there, sir? Yeah,
3: good day, Mike. Uh, thanks for all your good analysis, as always. Love it, mate. Um, Jake Paul's an interesting guy, so we're looking forward to that fight. But what about the ultimate Australian card? If we are going to put together an ultimate card to take place here later in the year in Australia... Hopefully it could include Volkanovski, Taitui Vasa, Kaikara France, Robert Whittaker. Um, Add a few more names to that, mate, and tell me some good fights we could
1: have. And obviously the world would tune in. Yeah, man, I I think the UFC has to go there. I think they have to go there. I think Adesanya probably headlines that card. I think Volkanovski probably fights on that card. I know he wants to fight for the 155-pound title on that card. It's like If Oliver, if Oliveira wins, I don't think he has any interest in traveling to Australia to fight Volkanovski unless he gets the Conor fight first. I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of these are just going to have to wait and see before I could start pairing these cards together. Whitaker. I mean, Whitaker's already got a fight in Paris. We have to see how... That fight with Martin Vittori pans out. Maybe do like Robert Whitaker versus Sean Strickland. That'd be kind of... Whitaker would be so over in that situation. Especially with a lot of things that he has said about Adesanya in the past. Including recently where he called him the B-word. Jake Matthews would have to be on that card. One would assume. Um, Jamie Malarkey would probably be on that card. Against somebody who can swing them things so yeah we just we just load it up with talent jack della madalena would probably be on the car i mean there's just so many there's so many fun options we could do there uh we just load it up with local talent and get after it sprinkle in the occasional thing but i mean you got you got multiple guys who hold titles so you could definitely do it you could sell it at a big stadium so yeah but jake matthews should probably be on that card that guy's stock has rose tremendously since UFC 275, and I can't wait to see who that guy fights next. Let's go to Peter or Piotr. What's going on, my man? Hey, how's it going today?
7: Good. What's up? Um, So I'm just going to bring it back to the New York card. Um, Obviously, the the main event didn't go um, fully as planned. It was looking like we were in for a great fight up until um ortega popped his shoulder but i saw an interesting take by uh chael son and i just want to get your opinion on it um it was ruled like the tko right but he was his arm was in danger of the arm bar um from the from the bottom attack from yeah year but it looked like he was trying to just yank it out instead of properly, you know, going to technique and doing what he I'm sure he's trained for. Um, and then, you know, when he gets out, that's when his shoulder popped. And Chael said, you know, that's not the proper way to, to get out. And ultimately, he was hol- he was holding on to that arm and he tried yanking it and then he popped his shoulder. So technically, it could be ruled a submission. And that is a clear win by Yair I think it's a interesting take. I just wanted to see uh, what your thoughts were on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you, it could be, but I think it's just the way that it was. Because I think, I don't know like how the rules are written, but I'm trying to like look back at, at, at certain situations where we're, we're in that boat, but maybe the rules have changed since then, but... If it's not like like a submission is, I mean, if if a guy falls asleep or whatever, could be. But most of most of all, it's a tap or it's a verbal submission. Um, I just think of the situation. No one really knew what was happening. No one really knew like how the arm snapped. It's just kind of a split second thing. So I mean, either way, it's a stoppage win. It could have been a submission, just the way that it went down. But I guess the big point that I'll make is, and I've gone back and I've watched it and I've watched. How the fight ended a few different times from a few different angles. At first, I was like, "Well, we didn't really learn much." Yair probably shouldn't get a title fight. And then the more I I sort of watched it and dove into it, the more I realized that the logistics of it look really strong for Yair Rodriguez, like really, really strong. Like he was. I'm not gonna say he was like completely the reason why, but at least the logistics look good where Yair contributed to the shoulder for sure. So the more I've seen it, the more I realize that Yair, I gave him credit for the win anyways, but the more so that I watch it and the more I've seen it, especially the finish is that Yair was the guy that was leading the dance, so to speak in that moment. And he should get more credit for the win. He should get more credit for the finish. And a lot of people didn't really want to give him that at first. And maybe I didn't give him enough credit early on, but I give it I give him a little bit more now. So I don't know if I still don't think he's gonna get Volkanovsky next, because I think Volkanovsky needs to heal up and I think Volkanovsky is I actually agree with him. Like no one has really as much as I give air credit for the win, like no one is there there is no unequivocal number one contender at one forty five. And that's something that Volkanovsky continues to to call for and has wanted for a long time. He just wants somebody to like Set themselves apart, be the guy, and we don't really have that. So, whether you do an interim title or you just or you don't do an interim title, Emmet Yair is the fight to make. That's it. Like, just do that. I know some people are on the side of, well, you can't just throw interim titles out there; it's dumb, especially when Volkanovski just defended the title earlier in this same month, and I understand that. And then there's the other side that's like, well, what's the issue with the interim title? Everybody, there's a title. There's more money involved. Why would anybody complain? The correct answer is you don't need the interim title. Just pay them more. Just act like it's an interim title. Just treat the fighters like it's an interim title fight. But you don't need to actually put an interim title on the line because if you're Volkanovsky and you he signed off on this, but still like there's, there's people out there who feel like it's a little disrespectful to the guy to put an interim title on the line. I don't really care either way. I'm in the camp of however they get more money, get them more money. If you got to do interim title, whatever. But I understand why other people are like, all right, we're back to this. We're just going to throw interim titles out there like we're Oprah Winfrey and everybody gets an interim title fight. It's a glorified number one contender fight. We're just putting a belt and more money on the line. So I get why some people complain, but I feel like there's, more important things to complain about in the world than whether or not an interim title fight is on the line. All right, let's try this again with uh, four-corner sports.
6: There we go. I think we're better now. Yeah. Hey, Mike, sorry. First, and that's why uh, it was, like, breaking up. But uh, I wanted to ask you, you think uh, Misha must have just underestimated Lauren and she was just more focused on, like, the Valentina fight and other fights? I um, also wanted to ask, did Misha sign the four-fight contract when she returned back to the UFC? If so, this would be the third fight, and what's the likelihood you believe that she might retire? I remember you guys were talking about earlier about um, Alain Volkanovski going up to um, to uh, lightweight to, to challenge for the lightweight title. I don't like that idea, just because I agree with Jed Mishu. If he wants to go up, I mean, he might as well just relinquish the title. He didn't Uh, clean out the division. um, He's only fought um, Korean Zombie, uh, Holloway three times, Ortega. I would like to see him fight somebody else. Um, And Who else do you think from the featherweight division can sneak their way into a potential uh, interim title fight? I just feel like the UFC as a promotion doesn't want to offer Josh Emmett um, an interim title or a potential title fight with Volkanovski. So who um, out of the Five the contenders might have a hot possibility of sneaking their weekends away. All right, thanks, Mike, and have a good one.
1: Thanks, buddy. Um the, the Misha thing, I know. I don't think she overlooked Lauren. I just think she was trying to plant seeds to sell another fight. And that's that's a narrative we hear an awful lot. And I think I forget when we talked about this. I don't know if it was on BTL or if it was on one of the preview shows or something like that, there's there's certain narratives in the sport that we'd like to get rid of. And one of them is, you know, because we're talking about a title fight, it means we're overlooking the opponent that that we're facing. I don't think that was the case at all. I think maybe Misha's just trying to pump herself up a little bit. It just kind of set the tone. Like, I think Misha's well aware, and she she seems very happy being a fighter right now, much happier than she was when she retired the first time. I think she just wanted the challenge for herself. And it was no secret that as soon as this fight was booked, that's what everybody thought was going to happen. Like Misha beat Lauren Murphy. She was fighting for the title, not because of merit and not because she's quote unquote deserved it because we don't say that word anymore, especially when it comes to the UFC because it's a, it just doesn't make sense to use. There's no deserves. There's no deserves. It's what can make the most money. What draws the most eyeballs and, Out of all the fights at 125 right now for Valentina Shevchenko, Misha Tate is the one that could get more eyeballs on it. Misha's a star. She's a former champion. She's got the nostalgia feeling to get the old fans back. She's got new fans. She's got fans outside of the sport from being on Big Brother. She's got the global audience because of her work. Misha is the one... That draws the most interest, not because not really from a stylistic perspective, but Misha's a star and that fight could have, that fight could have been like an ABC main event. That fight could have been a main event of a pay-per-view, honestly, with Misha. Now, is it going to do a million pay-per-view buys? Probably not, but it would have done okay by itself. It's not an automatic co-main event. Valentina against pretty much anybody else is a co-main event. Can't headline a pay-per-view with Valentina versus Caitlin Shukagan too, or Valentina versus Fioro. Like you just, you can't, you just can't do it. So I don't think there's an overlook looking at all. And I do understand the lightweight argument, especially with where the divisions are right now. It would make a lot of sense for Volkanovsky if he wants to go to 55 to just relinquish the belt. But at the same token, there's two things you have to keep in mind. One, he's going to be a big underdog against either Olivera or Makachev, especially Makachev, Olivera as well. And if he loses and he relinquishes the title, yeah, it's cool that you bet it, you bet it all on yourself and it's a cool story, right? It's a cool story. But at the same token, Volkanovski is still the best featherweight in the world and he should have the opportunity to do that. And Volkanovsky is very confident that if he does win a second title, that he can go up and down and defend both. That's been one of the big issues in Volkanovsky that he's had with the the promotion is that I want to fight as often as possible. I want to fight every two to three months. Now, I know he broke his hand, broke his thumb, so he's going to be out for a little while. But the second that guy is ready to come back, he's going to want to come back. So, yeah, it's it's a tough spot right now. 45 is just really interesting. And then to answer your other question, if anybody else could sneak in, maybe Arnold Allen just because he's on a, a streak right now. But I just don't know. I don't I don't think anybody could really jump in front of Emmett or, or Yair right now. I don't think Emmett was the guy anyways. I, I would I'd still give it to Yair like got to the point where it's Volkanovsky versus Volkanovsky. I would I'd still give it to Yair over Josh Emmett. And I know Josh may not like to hear that, but it's just the way that it is. The logistics of Yair's win, even though it was like a freak ending, it just is more significant in my eyes than Josh eking out a split decision against Calvin Cater in a fight a lot of people thought he lost. So I don't know. Just have those two fight it out. Then we have a, a, a clear cut number one contender and we can go from there. But I do agree with Jed on one thing. He hasn't cleaned out this division and we got some killers on the way up of Loyev, Taporia, maybe throw Bryce Mitchell into that conversation and some other guys at 145 as well. Volk's going to have time to be plenty busy at 145 if he chooses to stay there. Let's go to Keyboard Warrior. What's up, Mike? How are you doing? Heck of a morning from Ontario, Canada. I can keep this under 60 seconds. Man, you're a sensible reporter, and I, I absolutely respect your take. So tell me this. The champion has a name, and his name is Charles Oliveira. Why is this guy accepting a fight in Abu Dhabi, Mike? That's my question for today. And then number uh, 1B is I was just watching uh, UFC 202. Can someone explain to me why Conor was wearing the blue gloves when he was the champion and Diaz was wearing the red gloves? I, I'm compl- I, I don't know. I haven't been watching UFC for long enough, and I tried to uh, do some research, and I couldn't find the answer. Happy birthday, AK, and have a great heck of a morning, Mikey. Thanks, buddy. The two hundred two thing—I mean, it wasn't a title fight, so he was the featherweight champion fighting at one seventy, and basically just like a just a super main event type of fight. So that's probably why and Diaz had won the first fight. So that's probably how they did it. The second thing we've we've already touched on it. I think that one he probably got paid a couple extra bucks. I'm sure just. Smart. His team's smart. They know how much this relationship between the UFC and hashtag visit Abu Dhabi and the the tourism over there. They know how valuable this relationship is. And I'm sure if they were just like, hey, here's just a normal fight offer to fight is on Makachev. Oliver is like, no, no, not doing that. They probably bargained. They probably got some more money. They probably wanted to make sure he's getting the pay-per-view points despite not being the champion. And I said this a couple weeks ago, and I've been saying and beating the drum ever since, if this fight gets announced in Abu Dhabi, which it obviously has, there is no way that a conversation has not already happened between Oliveira's team and the UFC that if Oliveira does them this favor and gives them this main event for the local area, for those fans – that with a win, Connor is the guy. Because that's the fight Oliveira wants. He wants the Connor fight. He wants his red panty night. He feels like he deserved it. And if he beats his on Makachev and wins his 12th fight in a row, give him the freaking Connor fight. Just give it to him. He'll wash, he'll probably wash Connor quickly, and then you can turn him back around to fight whoever, Volkanovsky or Dariush or whatever. So Makachev's gonna be a ginormous favorite against Connor. But at the same token, like it's interesting because every fight we've seen from Oliveira in this run, like since the Chandler fight, he's been in some serious danger in all of these fights. He's been hurt. He's been rocked in all of them. So there's that story of what if Connor rocks him? Is it the same thing? And now Connor is like a freaking light heavyweight right now. He's just a giant human being who put on like 40 pounds of muscle since he shattered his leg. It's still going to be a very big deal. It's still going to draw and pay for you. It's still going to do a million buys. Oliveira makes his money. Everybody makes their money. It's still a big deal. So that's what I think. I think Connor's on the table for Oliveira. I think this is the UFC's way of saying, hey, if you want the Connor fight, you scratch you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. You go to Abu Dhabi and fight this Makachev guy. If you get that belt back, you beat that guy, you stop his win streak, then you can fight Connor." Let's go to Brian Cashman. What's up, buddy?
4: Oh, what's up? I I, I didn't even uh, notice I was on. Heck of a morning to you, Mike. Your um, you too. So I like that we were right on par with our picks for unknown. That was nice. The Dustin Jacoby Shane Burgos one. We were right on, right on par with that. Um, but I wanna I wanna talk about some Massachusetts MMA. So, I'm from the same town as uh, Manny Bermudez and Slippery Peter Barrett. But uh, I was wondering, do you know much about Joe Gianetti? Do you think he'll get another chance at the UFC? And uh, do you think Austin is more likely to get the pay-per-view or that September 17th card? That's all I got, and heck of a morning to you, Mike.
1: Thanks, buddy. As far as Boston going to host a UFC card. I don't know. They're not getting the September 10th card. Cause that's going to be in Las Vegas. I know that for a fact. So that's what's happening there. Maybe September 17th. I don't know. Let me, let me just look real quick at the TD garden schedule. I know it's not going to be September 10th because they booked something on that date. Kid Cuddy is performing September 10th. And September 17th, Roxy Music. There's, a, there's something there September 17th. So it uh, doesn't look like, look like that's going to happen. I will tell you that that San Diego card that's headlined by Dominic Cruz and Marlon Vera, that was supposed to be at the Garden in Boston. I don't know what changed. Maybe it was just the main events. They wanted to localize it and get two California guys on the card, especially for Cruz. It makes more sense having a fight in San Diego than it does in Boston, even though there's a story there for Cruz. That's where he came back and won the title against TJ Dillashaw. And that's a very significant city in the career of Dominic Cruz. But I mean, it's way better having that fight in in San Diego. So I don't know when they're going to come to Boston. I don't think they're coming to Boston till next year at this point. So sorry to sorry to burst your bubble there. And then for, for for Joe, I don't know, man. Let me let me check out what's going on with him. Joe, like I like Joe a lot. Like he's a he's a really nice guy. The guy's trying. Like he is trying. And I'm saying that like and I like Joe. I've met Joe a few times. Joe has had a very interesting career. Like he made it to the finals the ultimate fighter. The fight with Mike Trezano was not one we're gonna go back and watch anytime soon. Then he fights Josh Harvey to a draw. Then the weird ending in the Connor Berry fight. Then he loses his next fight, goes and wins a couple, and then he gets these opportunities, right? They were gonna have him fight Patty. Remember there remember that? They were gonna they he had the opportunity to go fight Patty Pimblet. In November of 2019. Now I understand this is on short notice. And he had to cut a lot of weight. But he missed weight. It didn't even and didn't end up fighting. Like that stuff adds up. It adds up. Then they gave him two shots on LFA. He lost both of those fights. Since then, he's come back and he's won a few in a row, but he's had some issues on the scale. He's had some some other stuff. So I mean I'll I'll say never say never, but I mean, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to do something like, really crazy. He's gonna have to beat somebody like really, really good. Darius Estelle, I like. Jacob Bond is like a 500 fighter. The last guy who he fought, what earlier this month? It was the same day as the. Uh, as 276. Guys like. He was like nine and twenty or something like that. So I mean. I think Joe's got the right attitude. I just don't know, man. Like, I feel like if it was going to happen, it was going to happen a while ago. But, I mean, he's 27. I don't know. It would be cool for him to get there. But what's he going to do with the opportunity? I mean, he's had chances. Like, they've given him – he has had chances to earn that spot. And for one reason or another, it just hasn't happened. So, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Joe, but I don't know. Matchmakers are pretty petty and it's going to take a minute. Let's go to Eric. Eric CM Punk Clark. What's up, Eric? Good. How are you? So, what do you think is going to be next for Tony Ferguson? Next for Tony Ferguson. Good question. I have no idea. I have no clue. I would I would hope for the sake, like if they, I, I would hope the UFC is looking at the Ultimate Fighter and looking at how this season has played out and how literally nobody's talking about it, which by the way, I don't know anything about the Ultimate Fighter. The only thing I know about the Ultimate Fighter is that my man AK has covered it as well as anybody could possibly cover it he has made me interested at least in reading the articles of what has happened with the ultimate fighter um so maybe just do the ferguson habib thing and try to like revive that show somehow like i feel like that's a real thing like that could happen as far as fighting goes let me look at the rankings right now i just like the connor fight actually makes perfect sense Like, it makes perfect sense. Just do Connor versus Tony. Other than that, like, I just don't want to see him really fight a lot of these guys. Maybe do RDA, like the RDA rematch, maybe. Like, I don't think he's going to fight Gillespie. He's not going to fight Jalen Turner. He's not going to fight Sarukian. He's not going to fight Gamera. He's not going to fight any of these guys. I don't know. Like, I have no idea. Maybe maybe Dustin? Maybe that's the Nate fight. Do Nate versus Ferguson at 170. I don't know, man. Like it's it's so tough. Tough. But yeah. If Makachev beats Oliveira, do Ferguson versus Connor. I'm fine with that. Let's go to KFA 47. What's up, KFA? What's up, Mike? So, my
8: question or actually comment has to do with what you just said. I don't think Connor's fighting anybody except for the winner or the winner of Islam and uh, Charles. I think that's what the UFC is going to do. And I want to wish Alexander Kaylee a happy birthday.
1: And (laughs) you guys have a great day. Thank you. This the Connor thing's kind of tricky because they also have to realize like from, from all accounts, Connor's only got two fights left on his deal. And their hope, if all works out well, is that he gets the Diaz. Like they do that Diaz fight before Diaz rides off into the sunset. Which Nate doesn't want that fight. And now there's all these different reports. I know Ariel's talked about it, that Diaz's contract runs out in October. So maybe just Diaz just rides it out, or maybe they get him a fight. But Diaz clearly is smart about this and is not gonna fight Connor. Why would he? Why would he fight Connor? Like it's a it's big business for the UFC. Yes, he'll get a nice paycheck. Yes, Connor will get a nice paycheck, but Connor always gets nice paychecks. But Nate would get a much bigger paycheck if they just booked the fighting, promoted it by themselves. And I think that's something that Nate's thinking about. I'm sure that's something Connor's thinking about as well when he looks into his fighting future and his financial future and what could be the biggest money fights he can make and how he can maximize this before his career comes to an end. If I'm Connor, I want nothing to do with Islam Makachev. That's just a brutal matchup for him. It's terrible. I understand like the UFC would try to build that up because we saw how heated the Connor Habib thing got. But let me just say, as like a fan. As a as somebody who covers the sport and as a guy who like wants people to go to our website and check out our stuff, Connor versus Makachev would be would be a huge deal. But as a fan, I don't want to see it because it's just going to be ugly. It's just all going to be ugly. We're going to go back to that build before with Habib and Connor and how ugly that all got. Some of the things that were said on both sides, mostly from Connor, and then we're going to have Ali in there doing his thing, saying his stuff. Like, I don't want any of that. Like, I don't want any of that. If it's just those two guys doing media, and we keep everybody else away, maybe, but still. Like, I, I just, I don't know if I'm ready for that ugliness, honestly. And I hate the matchup too. Like, Connor's just going to get tackled and smushed. And there's nothing fun about that. Jed made a great like. Jed's made. uh, Jed's been the guy that says the fight to make and always has been is Connor versus Justin Gaethje because that would just be the craziest fight ever. Because you could you could say what you want about Connor, but Connor goes out there and is Connor's never ever boring. Connor gets after it. Connor goes to try to get you out of there as quickly as possible, as Justin Gaethje likes to do as well. So put those two dudes together. There's no chance that fight's boring. It might be the most crazy fight you've, we've ever seen because it's two guys who just want to get in, get out, and inflict as much damage in the shortest amount of time. And that's how Conor fights. Love him or hate him, the guy is never in a boring fight. He might lose. He might just get after it in the first round. If he can't put you away, he might just kind of fall apart. But he wins big and he loses big. is the same way. So, I don't know what they're gonna do with Connor, but I'm excited to see him fight anybody at this point. Because the dude brings it. Like you can talk about his skill set or whatever, and maybe these leave SBG, but Connor is just gonna go out there and he's gonna get or get got. And that's it. Zeke, we'll go to Mikey. I see we're gonna try to get to everybody that's in line right now. Zeke, what's up, man?
4: Mike, Jake. sorry mike i'm sorry i know last time i botted out the first time this time i took a second but i'm here i'll be short and sweet yeah let's go frankie edgar back in the news let's match make for my guy there's nothing that gets me more amped than watching frankie edgar fight as a local jersey guy shout out ak lee i know he's thinking the same thing as me however we're kind of scared like who are we gonna fight i love the dominic cruz fight because you know, I don't think Dominic Cruz really presents much knockout-wise. I think, God forbid, if it goes wrong for Frankie, he would just get pointed to death. So let's go. I'm silently rooting for that. Or Like, somehow Ronnie Yaya gets up. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then uh, how can we peacefully send my dude off into the uh, sunsets, hopefully in Madison Square Garden? Secondly, something we just talked about, which I think was mentioned this weekend, Kobe Covington looking to fight at any weight, but welterweight at the moment, or maybe he did mention welterweight. I think that was more of a ploy to kind of get that Dustin fight, which he's looking for. Uh, I can talk about Kobe for days, obviously, and one of my favorite fighters too. Uh, is that, um, if I had the magic pencil, it'd obviously be Kobe versus Humsat, but I don't. Do you think that Dustin-Kobe fight is what the UFC is looking for? Obviously, now that it seems that uh, Benil Darius is all smoke, which honestly, I think you had the, nail on the head with that. That makes no sense for Dustin to go out there and get ragged all by Benil for a couple rounds to make Benil's title uh, contention a little bit more uh, golden dash polished. You know what I mean? I think Benil is uh, a shoo-in for, if not a top five, then a number one contender fight soon. I think he should just sit down and wait for Abu Dhabi. And uh, I'm going to leave with something that somebody just came in with. Those opening lines for Abu Dhabi are crazy. The champion has a name. His name is Charles Oliveira. I think he's going to play off of his back a little bit. I don't think that's going to, you know, particularly scare Islam because all Islam wants to do is smash. But uh, we have seen Islam get knocked out. So maybe Charles has a little something fancy for him on the feet. So, yeah, comments on Kobe Dustin. Maybe match make for my dude Frankie because Frankie is a champion in my book right now in any division. You know what I mean? I know that's crazy, and, of course, I'm biased. But, yeah. And uh, that's where we're at. Thank you, Mike, for everything you do. And let's have a heck of a morning.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah, the Frankie one's interesting. I know Cody Stamen kind of raised his hand for that. I don't mind that idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you do. I like the Cruz idea. Like, that'd be my first choice. But Cruz is fighting Marlon Vera. I just don't know if Cruz... Cruz is going to get... Cruz is gonna get beat up in that fight. Like, even if he wins, he's he's gonna have he's gonna take a beating to get there. Cause Vera's just Vera may not throw a ton, but when he lands, it means something and it marks up your face. Just ask Rob Fawn about about Marlon Vera. You can hit Marlon Vera a thousand times and ain't gonna do anything to the man. And then he just needs to hit you once or twice and you're gonna feel that shit. So Yeah, I don't know if we can turn Cruz around that quickly. I'd love to see it. That's been the fight I've wanted since Frankie dropped to 135. Like, I know a lot of people want to see Cruz Aldo, and I still think we have time to see that. But just give me Cruz, Edgar. That's the one. That's the fight. I just don't know if we can get there by Madison Square Garden. But you want to do Stamen? Fine. Um, Even Ricky Simone? Fine. How about Uriah Faber? Let's just do – how about we do Edgar Faber? You know what I mean? Like, I know there's... Whatever. Like, why not? I think Faber would come back for that one. Just do it. Just a nice little veteran fight. Maybe we can call it the last fight for both guys. I know he wants to do the Cub Swanson fight. Like a WEC thing. But, I don't know. Something like that. I don't want to see Frankie in there with... I don't know. We have to be very careful with this. But also, like... We have to understand that, like... It's not like Frankie's just getting like the knockout against Vera was a rough one, especially that photo that was captured. But Frankie like made a good account of himself in that fight. Like at worst, he was, it was a one, one heading into the third. Like Frankie's a problem for a lot of these guys. Like he's very tricky on the feet. The wrestling's great. But when you get front kicked in the face with full force, like that's going to knock anybody out. So we'll see what happens. I hope he gets to fight on that card and hopefully he gets to fight somebody fun that, Somebody he wants to fight. All right, let's go to Mikey. Then we'll go to Julio. What's up, Mikey? Good, are you doing all right? Okay, let me just rattle these off for Frankie Edgar. Outside of Donnie Cruz's option one A, how about Cejudo if he's up for it, and Cody Garbrandt? As for Tony Ferguson, go to 170 and fight Wonder Boy. And I heard you talking about Valentina headlining over anybody. Because nobody's a draw. Listen, Alex Perez and Figueredo main evented over her once, like last year, or was it in 2020? And there was no way in hell that should have ever happened. If you're going to book Valentina against a nobody, build her a strong undercard. I don't want to hear these excuses anymore. She should be main eventing over most people. Anyways, that'll be all for me, guys. Have a good morning. Thanks, Mikey. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things we could do here. Let me, where are we? Where are we? Let me go look this up real quick. Figure 8 Perez, UFC 255. Was that like... I'm trying to think if that was like the fight. Oh, you know why? Because there's going to be Figgy versus Cody Garbrandt. That's why. They were going to do that fight for that card. And then Garbrandt got hurt and Alex Perez came in and Perez was supposed to fight Brandon Moreno. And then all the craziness happened. They moved Perez to the title fight. Brandon Moreno ended up fighting Brandon Royval. That's why. It wasn't the plan to put Alex Perez in that fight. It just kind of happened that way. That's just how it worked out because Cody got hurt. They were going to give Cody the title shot. So, And that would have drew better for sure. But the Frankie Edgar mystery continues on. We'll see who ends up fighting. He just needs to be on that card, no matter what. Julio,
2: what's up, buddy? So I'm not sure if y'all have talked about this, but how do you feel about fighters c- celebrating when their when their opponent got injured? Like I understand for Yair or even like Tyron Woodley when he fought Conde, like the the technique was done, like. There's a reason why Yair held Brian's arm, you know, in that position, and there's a consequence. If he pulls it out, he's gonna mess up his arm, right? And and Tyrone Woodley kicked Conde in a certain area that that injured him. But like, for example, if they over-celebrate, like I remember Jorgen de Castro when he when he beat Junior dos Santos and and Eagle FC is like, come on, like like you had nothing to do with the the injury of, of Junior, and he and Jorgen was losing at that, so. What do you think about fighters when they like celebrate or over celebrate when when they injure a, an opponent?
1: I mean, I I get why the logistics of it don't always look great. I think the Jorgen one is probably the the prime example. But Jorgen also apologized for it. He also understood the logistics himself. Um, it's it, listen, you're in a cage fighting a person. It ain't like that's a scary ass thing. Like, if I got locked in a cage with anybody, I'd be like, uh oh, I get a fight. And no matter how, like, just the fact that I survived the ordeal is enough for me to be like, woohoo, like, I did it. Like, I'm okay. I didn't get hurt. And if I won, like, I get it, man. It's just, it, it logistically it doesn't look great. But at the same token, like, you're locked in a cage with another human being. You survived it. You didn't get really hurt. You get, you, you won. I think it's more of the, okay, I survived it more than anything. And it's just like a natural reaction to celebrate. And sometimes it's, sometimes it doesn't look good. Sometimes it's, you know, like a a brawl. And sometimes it's like Matt Schnell again in Sumiderji, where you just have like the most chaotic round you've ever seen. And you survived just a ton of adversity and, and, and such an ordeal and all that danger. And, and you came on the other side and you won, you put the guy to sleep. Like, something primal about that you know what i mean so i don't have a big deal like the organ thing like i get it even at the time i was like yeah i think we uh but then like kind of thinking about it like what if i was Yorgin de castro and i was locked in the cage with another human being and i didn't get really hurt like i think i'd react in a similar fashion and then i'd realize like down the road I'd be like what am i celebrating about like i'm celebrating survival not the win
0: and visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Dumbay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: Let's go to Sivaram. Don't worry, Heat, I see you. We'll get you. We'll probably close with you, my man. Sivaram. Are you there? Good morning, sir.
3: Uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak with you and all the people in the Now uh, uh, I want to talk about the uh, you know, 15, 145 and 155 division. So first, uh, let me talk me uh, talk about the Chalice, Alvira and uh, Islam. So why do you always... Sure. Uh, I'm a big fan of Chalice, man. Maybe my opinion could be biased towards the Chalice. Mm, so i do think that charles uh, charles always going to be uh, underdog anyone he fought with anyone it could be unranked opponent always charles will be underestimated by all these people I, I never get it why people underestimate every time charles fought with anyone it could be a number one contender or it could be any uh, you know uh, in top 15 uh, fighter and uh, i think i, I nothing disrespect, disrespect towards the islam it could be end up uh, between charles Oliveira versus uh, paul feller fight like that uh, uh, islam always finds with his left uh, job and goes for the double leg like, takedown so i do think uh, there is a uh, respect towards the islam uh, from my side so that's about the 155 division and goes back to the 145 division man uh, I had uh, I had all your paper conversations. The work uh, the Alexander Volknesski.
1: Oh no. Okay. Oh no. Yeah, why
3: why why does uh be getting more confident, you know uh, Oh man! Uh, sorry for the disturbance. Uh, so Volkanovsky has to be Volkanovsky has to be in staying fight this division. I I do I don't uh, clear the one forty five division because there is a Josh Emmett there and now uh, Ari Rodriguez is there. Ah
1: uh, oh, man. Sivaram, you're the man. I'm going to try to answer that. You kept breaking up on me. But, uh, yeah, I get – I'm with you on the Oliveira thing, man. Like, continued disrespect to that man. It's crazy. I'm not surprised that he's the underdog in this fight. I don't think he'd be the underdog against, like, McGregor. I think think Islam's honestly the last guy he'd be the dog against at this point after that win over Justin Gaethje. I just think a, a lot of people are just super high on Islam right now. And they feel like he could be the guy. And I know Jed Mishu has said that he's, he feels he's already the number one lightweight. That remains to be seen. I also understand why some people are like, why is Islam getting the title fight when he doesn't have a top five win? I get that. I get it. Which is why like when Dustin Poirier is like, I want to fight somebody like someone actually, it was a caller who brought it up on this show. It was like, why doesn't Islam just fight Dustin? Like, go fight him in July, and then you get your top five win, and then you can go fight for the belt, and no one can complain anymore. I liked that idea. That was a good idea. But didn't need to. Here we are, and we'll see what happens. I can't wait to see that fight. That is a fascinating fight. We're going to see if Islam is as good as everybody seems to think he is, and if he is indeed the best lightweight in the world. Let's go to James. Hey,
5: good morning, Mike. Hey, um, kind of all this Frankie Edgar talk. I think I know what to do with him, but this fight will 100% never happen because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I believe, uh, Edgar has not fought at 155 since the second, uh, Ben Henderson fight, but why don't just, let's have like a legends fight. Let's do Tony Ferguson and Frankie Edgar. Um, like I said, I know that will never happen. And if you were in an octagon with someone else at MMA fighting, who would you pick and why? I would like to see you and your best buddy, um, Alexander Kaylee. I can see you guys just throwing like WWE punches until the crowd catches on and starts booing you guys. Then you guys just go to the center and just sing um, the Friends Forever song until uh, the 25 <laughs> minutes is up. Uh, like always, Mike, man, thank you for everything that you do. And have a heck of a morning.
1: Yeah, I ain't fighting AK. I ain't fighting AK. If and if that is booked, if we have to do it, I'm I'm like I like we talked about before. It'd be like Kevin Nash versus Hulk Hogan on Nitro. Be the finger poke of doom. I'm dropping AK's dropping the the leg on me, and I'm 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 taking the pinfall. That's it. That's it. Hundred percent. Edgar, I'm not really sure. I mean, I I I had some people actually suggest that idea. Maybe do Ferguson. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but Edgar hasn't fought a 55 in a while. Fergus is going to be the much bigger man, so it's literally whatever Frankie wants. Frankie wants to fight Ferguson at 155, do it. If he wants to fight at 145, do it. 35, do it. Doesn't matter. Whatever he wants, like whatever weight class he wants, we'll find somebody. Just Frankie's a pretty realistic guy too, so just give the man what he wants. Let him have his, let him have his uh, his swan song at MSG, and love to see him go out with a win. That'd just be really cool. Let's go to Jay. Jay, Ani, Ahmad. Maybe we'll try to get to Alex and then Naheed, you're going to close this out. Jay. What's up? Jay. Oh no. Jay. Sorry, buddy. Uh, Ani. What's up? Are you there? Hello. I had you. Try again. Are you there? Oh, man. All right. Ahmad. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. Good
2: morning. How you, Mike? Good, how are you? I am well. So, uh, so bear with me here. So, October, Charles Oliveira dusts Islam Magachev. He calls out Khabib. Khabib turns down the fight, right? Now, at that point, can we stop with the goat nonsense? Can we stop comparing Khabib to, uh, you know, Anderson Silva and GSP? And, you know, I'm sure he's going to say, Mommy won't let me play and all that. Can we just stop with that? Let me know.
1: Thank you. Damn, Mod bringing the heat. Listen, we're not. I'm not going to sit there and I. The the reason Habib retired is the reason he retired. I will never question that. That's just it's a family thing, and that's why I feel he's never going to come back. I just don't think he's going to come back. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I I've been saying for a while that it is not an egregious thing to say to put Oliveira and Habib in the same sentence, as far as the best lightweights of all time. I don't think Oliveira is quite there yet, but I mean, there's BJ. I think what happened at the end of BJ's career, just kind of, it's, it's almost impossible to like put him above Habib. Like, it's just really tough. It's really hard to do that. It's really tough. So I would, I would put Habib up there right now, but, if you can, comp- like, if Oliveira goes out there, if Olivera beats Islam Makachev the way everybody views Islam Makachev, and by the way, for all the people who are out there that have said, like, the Jed Mishus of the world, and I know Jed wouldn't do this, but for all the people out there who say that Islam Makachev is the best lightweight in the world, that you're saying right now, this guy is going to run over Charles Oliveira, that the betting lines are justified, all that stuff. If Charles Oliveira goes out there and beats Islam Makachev, and then you come out and say, well, guess he wasn't the best lightweight in the world. I'm going to call you out and make you look foolish. Don't do that. You can't just change course based on one fight. If Double down on that. Double down on it, okay? If that's your opinion, he's the best in the world, I don't want any excuses. I don't want to hear it. I don't want it. No excuses. He's your guy. You back your guy. You stick with him. That's it. I'm a Red Sox fan. They got the shit kicked out of them by the New York Yankees all weekend long. I'm not going to be all of a sudden be like, well, guess Chris Sale got injured and this happened and that happened and this guy got hurt and, you know, they're starting pitchings on the DL. No, you got your ass kicked. That's it. That's it. You lost. You got whacked 14 to 1 in your home ballpark. You lost. There are no excuses. That's it. So cut that out. I don't want to hear it. But the other thing is, if he beats Makachev, who, who I think is, I, I, I'm very high on this guy. If You add Makachev to this resume. Yes, he's not undefeated. Yes, he had a tough start to his UFC run. Yes, he had the loss to Paul Felder. Yes, he lost a lot of fights early in his UFC career. But if he beats Makachev and wins his 12th fight in a row, if we compare the last 12 fights of Charles Oliveira to the last 12 fights of Khabib Nurmagomedov, Oliveira's resume is way better. And it's, you cannot make, you cannot argue with that. You can't, you can't. Oliveira's 12 fight run, his title reign thus far compared to Habib's, is better, better. So it is not egregious to make that comparison to have that conversation. Now, AK, my best friend, has been beating the strum for a long time. Since Habib retired, literally like the day after and on to the next one, said that if there's one guy who can bring, and it is Charles Oliveira. Keep this run on. When he starts trying to get to the record books and all that stuff, if he beats Makachev, then Habib comes back. I don't think it's going to happen, but AK believes it, and I'm, I'm back on my best friend here. But I like I, it's just some confidence all very dusting. He's gonna go out there and dust his Hey, Mike, can you hear me? Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Yep.
9: Okay, so uh, I stumbled across something really interesting on YouTube, and I was watching Dan Hardy's like vlogs, interviews that he does with fighters, and he had one recently with uh, Muhammad Makhayev. And during this interview, he basically alluded that once he becomes champion, he's most likely going to retire due to his religion. And how there's kind of like the thing that um fighting is sort of forbidden. And so and he was explaining how once he becomes more and more successful winning he fights, he's going to actually want to retire and leave away from the sport. So I don't know if any reporters or anyone like got onto that, but I just want to get your first opinion on that. And my next thing is UFC London's coming up and what probability percentage wise do you give Jordan Levitt actually finishing Patty and twerking on him in? front of all the uk fans thanks mike Oh man, have a heck of a morning man
1: uh the Baha'i thing's interesting i did not know about that so i'll have to go check out that interview with dan hardy um which would if that's true and i mean that would just crush my predictions of muhammad Baha'i being a two-division champion so, maybe, maybe by the time he gets to the flyweight title, maybe the UFC will do him a favor and be like, hey, stick around for one more and go fight for the 35 pound title. This fight between him and Charles Johnson on Saturday is going to be absolutely insane. Charles Johnson is not in boring fights ever. So, that should be a banger. I'm very, this is a good card. This London card is going to be a lot of fun. I'm not going to be able to watch it live, but I'm looking forward to at least watching. Hopefully, I get to watch like the last three or four fights. Chances Jordan Levitt finishes Patty and then twerks on him. There's a chance. I favor Patty. Just because I think he's got more ways to win. I think his striking is better than Jordan's. But if this thing gets to the ground. Jordan's Jordan's ground game is up to par with Patty's. Patty's the bigger man. So that would be like by one cause for pause here. But. I get to see what, whoa, excuse me. Uh, I us drop my phone. Let me see what the betting lines are for that fight right now because I know they're real interesting at first. I haven't seen the updated line. Where are we at? Uh, Patty Pellin, minus 255. There is some value on Jordan Levitt as a plus 215 dog. Jordan's not going to get rattled by the moment. He's not. Him fighting in London, he loves that shit. He loves it. He's not going to get rattled by it at all. Nothing Patty Pimblett is going to do is going to rattle Jordan Levin. Nothing. He can talk all the trash he wants. He can start a fight with him in the hotel lobby. And George is going to be like, all right, man, I'm going to go read 50 books before I fight you and submit you. Like, he doesn't care. None of that stuff affects him at all. So that's what makes this fight interesting, too, is the mental warfare. Because Patty likes to get guys rattled. And he ain't going to rattle Jordan Levin. Nobody rattles this guy. You can't. He is who he is. He is comfortable in his own skin. He doesn't care what anybody has to say about him. So I think Levitt's a is is live at plus two fifteen. Do I favor Patty to win this fight? Sure. But if I were to, if someone's like, "Hey, Mike, here's twenty bucks. You have to bet on one of these guys at a money line." I'm putting on Jordan easy. Um, It's dog or pass for sure. I'm not. I'm not laying that kind of chalk on Patty Pimblett against Jordan Levin. I'm not laying that kind of chalk on Patty Pimblett against anybody ranked around the same place as Jordan Levin right now. I'm not. I'm absolutely not. So, I think it's going to go to the cards, though. I don't think anybody's finishing anybody in this fight. All right. Ani rips and picks, and then Ahid. That's it. Ani, you're up. Do we have you? Yes. Perfect
7: that you know it's the university wi-fi it sucks anyway thank you mike um, <laughs> thank you for having me on for the second time in the sure. row uh so uh we have passed the halfway mark of the year right and we have already yep. witnessed each and every division's champion defend their title or you know starting from strawweight all the way to i mean of course not the heavyweight title uh yes heavyweight as well but um yep you know So now we have to see, you know, the recycling of the divisions. Do you know if there are any more title fights booked for 278 and what's going on with Sterling and and Dillashaw for 279? Yeah, that's all I have. Thank you.
4: Okay.
1: Uh, Any title fights booked for 278? No. I don't know what they're going to do with that card. That card needs help. That card needs help. Two seventy nine. We got Sterling and Dillashaw. I doubt that headlines. I would say they're probably gonna hope that Joan Stepe headlines that card, but I mean we're getting close. I mean we're we're knocking on the door of August right now. And I mean that's that that fight card is like two months like less than two months away. So I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know, but if you get if you could somehow get Nate on that card, then I think it's okay. I think you could headline with that as long as you have like a good buffer. But I don't know. I don't know. And then someone mentioned about Colby too. I'll I'll, I'll reach out to Colby and check in. It's been a while. I've I've kind of wanted to leave him alone since March. I haven't really checked in with him since, but but I'll check in. But I mean, if they can get Colby on one of those cards and against Dustin or whoever, then yeah. I don't know. But as far as title fights go, the only one I think would have a chance of getting on the September card is the interim heavyweight title fight with Jones and Stipe. But I think they'd probably be looking at MSG for that one. I don't know. We're running out of time, though. All right, rips and picks.
8: Are you there? Yeah, what's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, uh, keep it short. So uh, one, one thing I've just been seeing is it feels like uh, in the lightweight division, they just want to just keep matching up all of the contenders that all of us know and love in terms of like a, a, a Gaethje, a Dustin, um, you know, still talking about what they're going to do with Connor. Obviously, we have Oliveira fighting soon. We still have Michael Chandler in the mix. Um, you know, when are they going to start mixing in some of the newer contenders in sense of like Fazeev, uh Gamrot? You know, it it just feels like the newer contenders that are coming up don't really have any like the lights, camera, action, Hollywood that all these bigger stars have. Um, I mean, just kind of like your thoughts, if you think they're going to mix them in soon, if you feel like, you know, they're going to make a matchup like a Dustin versus or you know, they're just going to make like a a Dustin versus Justin and just keep playing the same cards.
1: Thank you, sir. Um, I think I think. And Gaethje, there's a strong possibility that fight happens because time frame wise, they're both both just had some nose surgeries, like literally right around the same time. You probably saw the social graphic on MMA Fighting's social channels of Fazeev with the nose, and Gaethje with the nose, and they're both wearing the band aids and stuff. And Fazeev saying, "Hey, battle of the nose surgeries." Essentially, uh, I know Fazee thinks he can come back November, December. So I think I think that fight can happen. I think there's a very good chance that fight happens. Gamrot, I think, is going to have a tougher time finding a fight just because the name's not that great. I think Fizzy probably has a little more momentum to him right now than either of those guys. But Gamrod, I think... Gamrot-Gillespie seems like a fine fight. Maybe do that at MSG. Gillespie's just got to fight somebody, and I feel like he's just going to have to fight Gamrod. Sarukian is just a monster and i I mean i don't know who's gonna fight that guy but he's probably gonna fight rda next or something like that unless rda can somehow get himself the connor fight i don't know and then poirier is just i I think poirier's just kind of been maybe they do the chandler fight although i don't I, i don't really care that much about that fight but I could see them maybe trying to do Poirier, Covington. I think Poirier's just kind of in fun fight mode at this point. I don't know. to do. But I'm very high on this new wave of 55ers because I mentioned three of them. We got Jalen Turner. Isma Gulov's another guy. I mean, there's 55 is just ridiculous right now. It's so good. It's just so damn good. And we're not even mentioning like Claudio Playas and some of these other guys coming up. I mean, 55's your donk. It's your donk. All right. No pressure. No pressure, Aheed. I know, I know those ringer folks. They ban you, they censor you, Ahid. No censorship here, baby. Let's go. Let's
10: go the home of MMA. Forget rig MMA's hackable morning with a nicer host that doesn't kick me off. But like <laughs> anyway. So Mike, I've got so much like on my mind. So first I'll talk about Dana. Dana's hilarious. Like I mean, this guy's so mean and cruel, but it's like, it's so hilarious <laughs> to the point. The the post fight press conference, well, what i don't know if it's been mentioned here that line where he's um said uh, he's like oh we're offering nate diaz three fights a year and then he's like it's obvious, and if i don't i have to pay you and i haven't been paying him so like he's doing that thing where he's in like basically insinuating that nate is turning down fights and all the reporter is doing is finishing his sentence, like, so he's turning down fights then. And Dana gets so defensive. It's the crazy. I've never seen anything like it. Like, I get what you are talking. like, you have to be a bit careful with the media. Like, I've seen tons of outlets, like, they'll take the quote, like, hell, MMA, even MMA fighting, the Mac life, MMA junkie. I've seen tons of do it. Like, they'll take certain parts of the quote and I get it. So you, you want to be a bit shaky with the media, but like when you're insinuating this exact thing that the reporter is asking you and then you get super defensive, it's the wildest thing I've ever seen. You, you know, Dane is hiding something, but I don't want to talk about Nate too much. I want to talk about Sue daji because he had this great fight against Matt Schnell, but apparently he went into the fight with an injury and Apparently, because he went into the fight with an injury, he's not covered. Like the UFC won't cover their healthcare costs, and I actually don't care too much about these politics whether they get paid or not. I just it just feels too much. But with regards to this, it's interesting. Like how should the UFC? I feel the UFC should cover like like injuries outside of fights. You know, Dana talks about independent contractors, but then he doesn't let people work in other jobs because it's like acting you know acting people do freelance but they work different projects as long as they can maintain their time you know like and i want you to talk about this mike before you saw fighters jump from promotion to promotion where they were fighting in the ufc then they fall in other promotions and it wasn't a problem so why is it why is it so restricted now but something molly mccann said is about the pay um you know the, he, she said what other company flies you out to hotels and builds an institute for you performance institute and the, that's true as well and Dana um, has it's Dana's company to be fair like he can do what he wants with it you you can leave but at the same time you know, so that's something I want to talk about Olivera Markachev as well, the matchup, but uh, yeah, it's like, I just want that first about the contracts and the, what you think is actually happening there. Like how dodgy are these contracts? Cause remember Mike two Oh five, uh, Eddie Alvarez was given two contracts with Habib and, uh, Connor. Uh, so like just with that whole contract restrictiveness, but I, I want to talk about Oliver Markachev, if that's okay, but quickly with regards to contracts.
1: Yeah, man. A lot to unpack from a man of heed. There's no doubt about it. Defensive Dana White. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. Because Dana actually seemed like in a really good mood the whole time. He's smiling. I'm back from vacation. All this stuff. And it was good to see him back. Good to see him smiling a little bit. And then the reporter just asked a simple question. Obviously, we're not paying him. You I mean, you literally like any reporter who didn't like, it's just not good at their job. And that guy was very good at his job. So he's turning down fights. And then it became, I'm not going to do this bullshit with you. Blah, blah, blah. And got all heated. Um, love I thought it was just hilarious. The Sumidars, you thing. I don't know. I think they'll end up covering it. I don't know if, like, I know the injury was put out there. I think my man Nolan King was the first person to to put that information out there. Um, you know, maybe it happened on Fight Week. Maybe it was something that happened... On the mats, like during fight week or something, if that's the case, then the UFC will have to cover that. so I don't know, I think I think they'll figure that part of it out and I don't know. the contract thing again, I've said this a million times. I want the fighters to make more money. We're gonna sit here until we're blue in the face for the rest of our careers talking about how fighters are gonna sh- sh- deserve more money and they deserve to be paid more. But at the same token, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The reason why this is happening is because the fighters, they let these windows of opportunity just pass them by. They didn't band together. They didn't band together. And that's why you cannot compare MMA and the UFC to any of these other sports. Well, in the NBA, they get 50% of the revenue. You want to know why? Because the players banded together and fought for that they bonded t- they banded together and fought for that the fighters did not and they have had plenty of opportunities to do so such as when the company sold for 4.2 billion dollars like that was the perfect time to do it this is the time where the fighters are like holy shit 4.2 billion with a b with a b and some of these other like some of these groups came together with like just just the most random grouping of people coming together. Bjorn Redney? Like, what the hell? And then they all just fizzled out. You want to know why? Because the fighters are afraid. The fighters are afraid. They're afraid to get caught. They're afraid that the UFC was going to find out. They're afraid they're going to lose their jobs. I get it. I get it. I get it. It's scary. It's scary. There's not a lot of money in fighting. There's not. There just isn't. So when you get to the UFC and you have the opportunity, and the UFC treats this like the old WWE model, if you... it's WWE now, it's a publicly traded company. They have all these like big money deals. The wrestlers get more money. They cut costs in other ways. Maybe the roster isn't as loaded as it should be or has been in the past. But like in the 80s, when the WWF was doing their thing, Vince said, we don't offer... We're not going to offer you millions of dollars right away, but we're going to offer you an opportunity to make that. So you get a cut of this, cut of this, the bigger the star you become, the more money you can make. And that's how the UFC kind of does their business. And until these fighters come together and say, well, I don't like the way you do business. We want more of this money. You're making a billion dollars a year with, you know, a lot of it has to do with this ESPN deal. We're not even fighting. We're just not going to fight until we get a bigger piece of the pie and they won't do it. They won't do it. So it stinks, man. And the UFC knows this. They know this. And I don't like, it sucks for the fighters, but like as somebody who would run the business that they're running and making the amount of money that they're making and having like success that they're having, why change a thing? Why change a thing? If no, one's going to stop you from doing it. No, one's going to challenge you. And you need like you need everybody on board. You need everybody. You can't just have like and that's the thing, like when, when Adasanya says these things, and Nganu says these things, we want it to, to be a trickle down effect. Like, Adasanya wants a trickle down effect for everybody. What has happened since? Nothing. Nothing. And I don't blame Adasanya for that. There's seven hundred goddamn fighters on the roster. What do you expect? You need all of them to come together. You need all of them to come together. AK knows this. Listen to this. like we're part of we're part of a union at MAFI. We're part of the Vox Media conglomerate and we have a union. And we were very close to striking. We were like 36 hours away from striking. Scared the shit out of me. Never been a part of a union, never been a part of a strike, never been a part of anything like that. But we were prepared. We we're prepared to walk away if we had to, to get what was right. Not just for me, not just for him, not just for our families, but for everybody, for the ones that don't even work for us yet. We wanted them that when they come in, they're making money. They're making a good wage. They're making a fair wage. And no one, like, th- that's what it was all about. And it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing when you put yourself out there like that. It's a scary thing when you, you're basically – like, what if we had gone on strike? What if we had gone on strike we would still be on strike? Like, we're not making any money. Like, we're making nothing. We'd be making nothing until a deal was put into place. It scares the hell out of you, especially with the way prices are now. Like, you can't even fill your gas tank unless it costs you, like, 100 Like, it's just ridiculous. Gas is over $4 a gallon. Groceries are super expensive. My wife the other day bought three apples at the grocery store. Three for $10. Three apples for $10. That is ridiculous. It's a scary thing. But until that day comes where everybody just comes together and is willing to walk away, nothing's going to change, friends. I'm sorry. Nothing's going to change. And I have a feeling that a decade from now, unless this Ali Act passes, which, as you've seen, if you go to Bloody Elbow, Tim Bissell does a great job writing about how much money the UFC has put into making sure that doesn't happen unless that passes. And then 10 years from now, what I'm about to celebrate my 50th birthday, hosting this program. We're going to be having the same conversation, my friends. All right. I got to get out of here. I've gone way longer than I was supposed to, Uh, but I appreciate you all. Ahid, way to close the show. We'll be back again on Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We will do it again. Got a busy week ahead of us. UFC London, Bellator going down. I believe we're going to be on site for the Bellator card. Steven Morocco will be on site for the Bellator card. But we're getting out of here. Thank you very much. Lots to talk about. I'm sure this week will be a busy one in the news cycle as well. And when it happens, we will talk about it right here on Heck of a Morning, which I wish to all of you. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of the day. Have a heck of a morning. Love you guys.
2: Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action
0: Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov